All right. So I hope you uh, enjoyed my little arts and crafts poster that I made. Um, as I said uh, in the other video, there are milestones and skills I've developed over those times, uh, those seasons of my life and different foci or focuses that uh, I focused on while um, I was in those different seasons. And what was really cool as I was looking back at the different years and each section or season of my life, it was very clear to me that each season had a particular theme, right? One theme had uh, just learning the basics, right? When I was first starting off in graduate school and uh, learning the basics of what it means to be a good pastor and what it means to um, go into pastoral ministry. And then another season where I was really honing my skills. Um, but the part that I thought was most interesting was the part where I uh, was laid off for the first time and I was unemployed for five months. And it was a really, really difficult uh, season of my life, uh, which I call or attribute as the emptying season, where I, I thought I was all that, right? I thought I was the bomb and uh, I had acquired all these skills and experiences, yet um, somehow during this emptying season, uh, all of that got stripped away from me. And while I was going through it, I kind of thought it was a waste of time. Um, I thought that this pain, this struggle that I'm experiencing is meaningless. But now that I'm um, a, a few years removed from it, and I can look at that season objectively, I realized that I've acquired so many great skills and um, attributes during that time that I wouldn't have ever been able to acquire unless I went through that time. And many times, especially in uh, uh, the life of faith, we think that suffering or pain is kind of optional, that God can take us through difficult seasons, right, if we need to go through it. But uh, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And those seasons of struggle and pain and difficulty, it's actually really absolutely necessary in order to grow in our faith. And as I was thinking about the situation that we're in, um, how we've been quarantined uh, for several months now and all the racial injustice that's happening and people losing their jobs and people getting sick and dying, um, it's a very, very difficult season, right? And uh, we could feel like all of this is a big waste of time. But I think several years from now, we're going to look back in hindsight and look at the season. And some of us might actually realize that it was actually some of the most productive years. Okay, maybe not in terms of like uh, the kind of job that you get or how uh, much money you make, but in terms of our own maturity and uh, spiritual growth, which is precisely why I wanted to look at Matthew 14, uh, which is the passage that we read from uh, just earlier. In the passage we just read in Matthew 14, we have a scene right after Jesus did this amazing miracle of feeding 5,000 people. Okay, uh, Maybe some of you know this story. 
where Jesus fed 5,000 people. Um, apparently, it, it might have been a lot more than that because back then, during the first century, they only counted men, adult men. So they didn't count the women and the children that were there. So it was probably like over 10,000 people. And Jesus only had two fish and five loaves of bread, and he fed over 10,000 people uh, with this. And um, it was this amazing miracle that he performed. And after he performed this miracle, right, there must have been mobs of people, mobs of people who were probably trying to get his attention. So as it said in verse 22, Jesus told his disciples that were with him, right? The 12 disciples were with him and they were helping distribute all of this food to these thousands of people. Jesus told the disciples to hurry up and get into the boat and go on ahead of him. And Jesus didn't get in the boat with them. Instead, he took that time to go up to the mountain, to go into the wilderness and pray for several hours, right? Jesus did not allow anyone to hurry him, neither the crowd nor the disciples. His priority was on spending time with God the Father and really nurturing the state of his soul. During this season, uh, do you feel like you always need to be productive? Do you feel maybe any less significant or maybe even less worthy because you're not getting as much work done as you usually do? Perhaps God can somehow use this time of quarantine, solitude, and silence to connect you to God in a different way. Maybe you can grow uh, a spiritual intimacy with God that you may have never experienced before. So after Jesus sends his disciples away, okay, um, he goes up to the mountain to pray by himself for several hours. And since Jesus was in no hurry, uh, the disciples must have been confused as to where Jesus was and why he was taking so long. Uh, finally, sometime between 3 o'clock and 6 o'clock in the morning, the disciples drifted about 3 or 4 miles into the sea. And by this time, there was this powerful storm happening. In verse 22, uh, or in verse 24, uh, it said that the boat was buffeted by the waves, which means that the boat was beaten by the waves. Okay, it was a really, really aggressive, violent storm. So you can get a pretty good idea of how uh, scared the disciples might have been during this time. It was pitch black because it was probably 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, all right? It's wet, it's cold, there's this violent storm that's happening, and their beloved rabbi, their teacher, their uh, leader is not there. Then, quietly in the distance, they see a figure on top of the water, and it's a bit difficult for them to figure it out because all they see is a vague silhouette of a man. He's covered by fog and rain, and they can't see who or even what it is. Uh, the first instinct that some of them had is that they thought it was a ghost, and they were terrified, rightly so, right? Then in a loud, clear, yet calm voice, Jesus said, 
Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. I don't know about you, but these past few months, did I, I feel like the disciples trapped on the boat in the middle of a storm, isolated from the rest of the world, and being tossed around by the waves. But if I remember that God is with me, that he is right there, that he has never left me, even though I might feel lonely sometimes and isolated, if I remember that God is with me, I do not have to be afraid. And here's the climax of the story where Peter becomes so excited when he realizes that it's Jesus, right? And Peter said out loud, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. It doesn't matter what the conditions are. It doesn't matter if there's a storm. In Peter's mind, he's thinking, if Jesus tells me to go there, I'm going to go. <laughs> if he tells me to come, I will obey. And Jesus simply says one word, come, come. New Testament scholar Dale Bruner noticed something very interesting about Peter's request. You notice Peter did not ask for any kind of promise, okay? Uh, Peter simply asked for a command. He, done, he did not ask for a guarantee uh, that he wouldn't sink. Okay, and I, I don't know why he didn't ask that. Maybe he was just so excited, right? And I don't even know if he realized that he was going to walk on water, right? Because he was so focused on Jesus that uh, nothing else really mattered, right? Uh, but Peter didn't ask for any kind of guarantee that he wouldn't sink, right? He was simply asking for an opportunity. And so many of us are afraid to step out in faith, okay, to step out of our boats because our figurative boats are our place of security, our place of safety, and our place of comfort. But we are so often stuck in this place of comfort that it prohibits us from growing. And so many of us have, don't have this attitude that Peter did in this moment, right, where uh, he, he just wants to step out in faith, okay, and not really all that concerned about his surroundings or uh, the fear of what might happen. Maybe you know, maybe you know during this time where you've probably done a lot of soul searching and reflecting and um, really dialoguing with God internally, whether you call it prayer or not, um, maybe you know that God wants you to step out in faith in some way. But you want to make sure that everything is perfect, right? The conditions are perfect before you step out. That the weather has to be perfect. The, the sea uh, waves have to be calm. And it has to be 100% visibility, visibility. But that is not how faith works, right? Uh, Peter, for example, he wasn't all that concerned for his own life and he wasn't frightened by the conditions and he certainly wasn't turned off because of the storm. All that mattered to him was Jesus. 
the idea of uh, water in the Bible has a lot of various meanings, one of which has to do with the unknown. There's something very mysterious about a large body of water, uh, like the ocean or the sea or even a big lake, right? Even from the very beginning of the Bible, on the first day of creation, God created the earth, but only water covered the earth, the whole earth. There was no land yet on the first day of creation, just water. And there's something very mysterious and maybe even eerie about water. And you don't even have to be a, a Bible scholar or even a Christian to, to know this, right? You just go to the ocean at nighttime when it's dark and you look out into that vast nothingness of water, right? You get this eerie sense of mystery. Now, besides outer space, okay, that's the most obvious uh, great unknown. The ocean itself is the great unknown. There are still a lot of species and animals um, and, and wildlife in the deep oceans that have yet to be discovered. Living as a follower of Jesus Christ has a lot of unknowns. There's mystery surrounding us all the time. And this water represented to Peter the very world that we live in. There are a lot of unknown variables out there, especially now, right? Like who knows when this coronavirus will end? Who knows when uh, life will go back to normal? Okay, who knows if uh, Trump will get reelected or not? Uh, who knows if uh, racism will ever end in our country? But what we have to do as followers of Christ is to still step out in faith. And this whole aspect of water um, tells us something very significant about faith. Is that faith can only exist when mystery exists. Faith can only exist if mystery exists. If you know everything about the future, right? If you know everything that's going to happen and all the circumstances are perfect, right? You really don't need faith, right? You, you really don't need faith. We need faith now because we don't know what the future looks like. This world is big and mysterious, very much like the sea. Uh, but Peter taught us something uh, very significant about faith. When he was in the middle of that crazy storm, he only had one focus, which was Jesus. He wasn't concerned about the storm or the big sea. He was only focused on Jesus. And there's something about um, Peter's like kind of reckless abandonment that teaches us something very valuable about faith, right? And this is the first lesson that Peter teaches us about having a hopeful faith. First, Hopeful faith requires both, both realism and idealism. Hopeful faith requires both realism and idealism. Hopeful faith requires us to be both realistic and idealistic. A realist looks at the facts. A realist is actually brutally honest about the facts. 
And the realistic faith doesn't ignore the facts. We cannot be unrealistic and pretend like we're not in the situation that we're in. For example, we cannot pretend like this coronavirus is uh, no big deal. Okay, like it is a big deal. And when you go out in public, uh, you should wear your mask. Please wear your mask, okay? When you go out in public, okay? Uh, we have to be realistic, right? There is this uh, prayer that I like to pray every once in a while. Um, maybe some of you know it. It's a very tweetable, uh, hashtagable prayer. It's called the Serenity Prayer. It reads like this God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Okay, That's from uh, a theologian named Reinhold Niebuhr. I'm going to read it again, okay, because I think it's worth repeating. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. There are certain realities that we need to confront that are unavoidable, undeniable, and unchangeable. I don't know about you, but I feel like I have absolutely no control over the situation that we are in right now. But I do have some control over how I respond to it and how I take steps of faith. Now, at the same time, a person of faith cannot simply be realistic, okay? A person of faith needs to look beyond the facts. And in many ways, we have to be both realistic and idealistic. An idealist doesn't only look at the facts, okay? An idealist looks beyond the facts that he or she is given and strives for something greater, bigger, and not yet realized. Being an idealist is not the opposite of being a realist. The opposite of being a realist is being unrealistic, all right? An unrealistic person will say, never. An idealistic person will say, not yet. An unrealistic person might say, not happening. Uh, an idealistic person will say, mm, just not now. Faith doesn't ignore the realities that we are in, uh, but faith always remains idealistic and hopeful. Being a realist and being an idealist is what gives a person hope. And at this time, hope is probably the most important capital that anyone can have in matthew 14 when the disciples were out on that boat in the sea of galilee and jesus came walking towards them peter and the disciples all realized that they were in the middle of this crazy storm and their senses were heightened and they were acutely aware of what was going on uh, they could feel the rain they could feel the they could hear the thunder right they could feel the wind uh, beating against their skin and rocking their boat but for Peter, he was looking beyond the storm. It's not like he forgot about the storm, okay? It's not like he was pretending like the storm wasn't there, okay? He absolutely knew that he was in the middle of a storm, yet his focus was on Jesus. When you step out in faith, people might think you're being unrealistic or crazy. Some might think you're being foolish. Many won't see 
the same things that you do because you're not looking at it from the same lens that they might be okay you're looking at life through this hopeful lens of faith just as hebrews 11 says faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not yet seen and while it may have been very short-lived peter actually experienced the miraculous moment of glory when he shared that same miracle with jesus of walking on the water peter was actually performing the very same miracle that jesus was performing he is the only human being who ever walked on water and it's purely because he was focused on jesus but you see this isn't the first time that peter had shared a miracle with jesus and this reveals the other truth about our faith is that hopeful faith looks at the past to affirm our future hopeful faith looks at the past to affirm our future remember the miracle that happened right before this okay um i shared uh, at the beginning of this message that uh, th they were on the heels of one of the most famous and well-known and miraculous performance of miracles that Jesus ever did, which was feeding thousands of people with five loaves and two fish, okay? And the disciples and Peter were a part of this miracle. They were the ones who were uh, distributing the food. They were witnessing Jesus multiply uh, these two fish and five loaves, right, uh, into um, basketfuls, okay? Multiple basketfuls, right? And so Peter was remembering uh, everything that Jesus did, not just that one miracle, but all the miracles that Jesus did, which is what gave him assurance to step out in faith, right? And, and to take it even further back, Jesus had completed gathering his disciples uh, with Matthew, uh, being the last one in Matthew chapter 9, okay? And Jesus gave them this command in Matthew chapter 10. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness and so through the power of jesus while they were on their own they were performing miracles by themselves okay because jesus had empowered them to do so and so peter is remembering all of these experiences that he had from his past with jesus and so he was looking at his past to affirm his future and very much like the map that I made, that poster board that I made, um, I was looking back at my past to realize that uh, as difficult as certain seasons were, God had provided for me all of these years, right? And he had given me everything that I needed to not only get through these difficult situations, but actually become a, a better man of God as a result of it. And so... As scary as the future may be uh, for myself, I, I do remain hopeful because I remember how good he has been in my life over the past 18, 20, 25, 30 years. There are times in our lives when other people have failed us and we blame it on God. Okay, I don't know if you can relate with this, but there are times in our lives where our government, our schools, 
our jobs, whatever it may be, uh, have failed us, and uh, we have blamed it on God. <laughs> Hold on. You want to say hi? This guy. Say hi. Hi. <laughs> I was trying to ignore him, but he kept bothering me. What are you doing out? Oh, okay. Let me finish this, okay? Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, gosh, even that, even having my son, uh, he was <laughs> um, born premature, and uh, for the first like week and a half of his life, he was in the NICU of the hospital. And um, we were, he had all these tubes in his nose and in his mouth, and uh, we weren't sure um, how his health was going to be. And now he's like huge and <laughs> healthy, and um, it's uh, I'm, 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 I almost forgot about how difficult that season was. And so I remember things like this, where at the time it, it seems like nothing will get us through and we're so full of doubt but you know as the years go by you look back in hindsight and you realize like how good God has been all these years right and it's easy to blame God for disappointments that we experience because um, it's much harder to look at ourselves and ask ourselves, like, how have I failed? What could I have done differently? Or, like, um, how did I put myself in those situations? Right? And so it's much easier to blame God and to um, kind of avoid blame, uh, taking ownership of the situation that we're in ourselves. Part of what it means to have a hopeful faith is to have the right vision for your future where is your focus what are you focused on and what is your vision are you consumed by the things that are going on around you or do you fix your eyes on something or someone greater for Peter when he was out on that stormy sea he fixed his eyes on Jesus rather than the storm surrounding him and this is the last lesson that Peter teaches us about faith is that hopeful faith focuses on Christ rather than the circumstances. Hopeful faith focuses on Christ rather than the circumstances. There are times in our lives when we have to step out, okay? Um, step out of our comfort zones, right? Step out of our place uh, of familiarity. Uh, and we have to enter into things that are uncomfortable and unfamiliar. Things like this happen in our lives. And oftentimes we avoid going through uh, a little bit of suffering now and then end up actually suffering more later on. Now, change is going to happen, right? And, and this season of quarantine and racial injustice and the economy and all of that stuff is, is make, forcing us to realize that change happens whether or not you want it to, right? So 
what kind of change do you want this experience to be like for you, for your spirit, for your own spiritual maturity, and for your faith? It is only when we begin to focus on Jesus over the circumstances that we truly begin to do miraculous things and really grow in our faith like Peter did. But it's when we start focusing on the circumstances and the storm around us and start getting anxious about that, that we lose our focus and we began to fall. But what's beautiful about this story of Jesus and Peter walking on water is that even when Peter began to sink, he cries out to Jesus and he asks him to help him. Right? He cries out to Jesus and he asks him to help him. And in that moment, as much as he has been distracted by the storm and the waves and the wind and all of that stuff, right? He was, the presence of God was so strong because he was so desperate for it. And when I first read this story when I was younger, like in high school, um, what I seemed to always focus on back then was when Jesus said, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And I was always like kind of hung up on that. But I always kind of overlooked the fact that Jesus actually helped Peter up. Okay, He took him by the hand. He took him by the hand and he caught him. He caught him. Even if you fail, even if you sink, he is still there to catch you. So you really have everything to gain and nothing to lose when you take that step of faith. Even if you fail, he will catch you. If you are sinking, he will reach out his hand. If you are drowning, he will pick you up. And this is the kind of compassionate, loving God that we have. Now, as an adult, okay, I could read this story now and I could pick up on certain details and nuances and I could even read between the lines and notice things that I never noticed before. Like, after Jesus picked Peter up on water again with Jesus back to the boat, it would be really weird if uh, Peter was being dragged in the water while Jesus was walking and it's um, very, very unlikely that Jesus would, went down into the water and they swam together while holding hands, right? So Peter uh, got distracted by the storm and he, he sank and Jesus helped them up and they walked side by side, hand in hand, back to the boat. Jesus not only calls us out to come to him, he walks with us. He walks with us. One of the new activities that I've been enjoying during this time is uh, walking. I used to hate walking. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's because I'm older now and like I enjoy a brisk walk. <laughs> But something I really enjoy walking, okay? It's different, and it's much different from uh, running or riding a bike or driving. Uh, obviously, it's very different from driving, and I think most of you would know this, okay? Um, walking is 
you just notice things more, right? Uh, you notice like animals scurrying on the ground. You can smell like the plants and flowers uh, 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 that you walk past, right? And you feel the breeze that might be blowing against your skin. You, you're just you're just more aware of life <laughs> happening around you, right? Uh, but one of the main reasons why I love walking so much these days is because uh, I walk with my family. Okay, I, I walk with um, uh, my two kids and my wife uh, most of, of the time. Okay, after dinner, uh, we just go for a short walk around our neighborhood. Or sometimes I'll just walk with um, just one of my kids, okay, my nine-year-old daughter or my four-year-old son. And the whole time, um, we talk. And there's really no, like, agenda or, like, um, purpose behind uh, what we're supposed to talk about. But we walk and talk, and there's this, like, connection that happens when we are walking together. This is what... Jesus wants to do with you. He wants to walk with you. And this image of Peter and Jesus walking on the water, um, I'm not so focused on the miracle itself. I'm more focused on the bond, the relationship that Jesus and Peter have in this intimate moment where they're walking side by side, hand in hand, and this is the kind of God that we have. A God that not only calls us and invites us to come to Him, but a God who walks with us, even in the middle of a crazy storm. I don't know what um, 2020 was like for you, um, but I can't imagine that it's easy. And God is challenging uh, a lot of us during this season, right? But what he's really challenging us to do for the rest of 2020 and beyond is to walk in faith with him. Walk in hopeful faith. Amen.